Welcome everyone to this week's podcast. My name is Dr. Sujit Danji. I'm the manager for Victorian government projects at the Australia India Institute, University of Melbourne. I'm a postdoctoral researcher interested in Indian diaspora and migration and the evolving changes in the Indian diaspora in Australia. First, I'd like to acknowledge the indigenous people of the First Nation, the Wurundjeri of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and their emerging leaders. We have today with us Arpita Das. Arpita is the founder of Yoda Press, and she's the editor of South Asian series Melbourne University Press. She's also a visiting faculty lecturer at Ashoka University, where she teaches critical thinking. Amongst her many other ventures is her feminist collectives. And today, Arpita is going to share with us her journey as a writer, as a publisher, as a, an advisor, and as a teacher. Welcome, Arpita. Thank you so much, Sajid. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Arpita, if I may start with, um, what has been your journey as a founder of Yoda Press? Um, what are some of the challenges and the joys of being an independent publisher? Well, it's been 18 years now, uh, Sujit, and it's been a fairly complex journey because I think when I started out, a lot of it was about experimenting and trying to see how it's going to pan out. Um, I'm talking about 2004, and, and I think... There was a lot that I sort of went into not being absolutely clear about what, you know, shape it's going to take. One of the things, for instance, was our sexuality series, which is how we referred to it then, which is our LGBTQ titles list now. And um, we started publishing then uh, this list at that time in 2004 because the queer movement was just picking up in India. A lot of my friends were part of the community, uh, were activists in the movement, and they, they spoke and wrote so brilliantly. And I, I knew that this was, you know, something that deserved an audience and was going to find an audience very quickly. One of the emerging areas. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I remember at that point... Uh, there were bookstores that were unwilling to keep the books that yes. were written uh, on queer politics. Because and of the stigma. Absolutely. And, and they had no sense of where they should even slot uh, mm. books on uh, by uh, the queer community mm. and books on sexuality. And, um, and fast forward to 2018 when, um, you know, the uh, Supreme Court of India finally... Um, got rid of this terrible colonial law, um, Article 377, which used to criminalize homosexuality. Um, uh, and, and in that famous judgment, five of our titles were cited. And I feel like between that time in 2004, when we were struggling to put these books out in bookstore shelves, to 2018, when the Supreme Court was citing these titles in its judgment, you know, it has been a really, really incredible sort of arc. Mm. Quite an achievement to get your books cited publicly. Yeah, I was, that felt like a real moment. Mm. It was a real, it felt like a 
supreme accomplishment mm. and I really say, felt that yeah I might you know Euro press might not be the most profitable venture it might not make a heck of a lot of money but this is something that is now there for posterity you know mm. it's recorded in that sense it, yeah. it was an untapped area which needed a voice absolutely mm. and visibility for that matter yeah mm. absolutely um so you mentioned you know giving visibility visibility to an area that hadn't been covered before um but amongst this where do you get your ideas for mentoring new writers um where do you draw inspiration from um everything <laughs> so i'm like this osmosis that's my favorite state of being mm-hmm. and i like to be alert and aware of my surroundings what i'm listening to who i'm talking to what i'm reading what i'm looking at what i'm observing it's a very very um engaged i hope existence so alert every single day around your surroundings i think so i think that has been and that fills me with great joy and delight mm. i don't feel fatigued by it i feel even today i am full of wonder at a lot of things a lot of things still have the capacity to surprise me mm. i haven't turned into a cynic i hope <laughs> and and that i i'm happy about that so you're a true ethnographer <laughs> me perhaps perhaps um um you, you might be right there i i i do feel that nothing delights me more than meeting new people and hearing their life stories mm. and very often that's where inspiration really springs from for new books mm. which takes me to my next question if you could um, tell emerging writers the three things that are important about getting published what would they be what kind of vision would you offer them insights into um the first thing i would say is that very often we grow up with this notion that you're writing to publish for yourself you're certainly writing for yourself but the minute you want to publish you are going to be part of a market whether you like it or not you are committing to that so at that point then you are no longer writing to publish for yourself you're choosing to you're opting to become um seen by a readership read by a readership so i always tell my young writers who done do workshops with me or who sign up with me what is your readership do you think enough about who's going to read you mm-hmm. and how are they going to find you Um I think that's a question that I would always put to young writers and ask young writers to put to themselves mm-hmm. all the time. The second thing that I would tell them is it doesn't matter what you're writing it doesn't matter whether you're writing a very very cerebral academic work or you're writing something um you know which is meant for the retail space and it's 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 a fast moving trade title as we call it mm-hmm. research everything um answer lies in deep research mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The minute you want to write, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, mm-hmm. it might just be researching the caverns of your own mind. Mm-hmm. But research is the answer. The devil is in the details. Mm-hmm. That is true. And the third thing I would tell them is to keep calm and submit, as that meme says. Because I think there's too much of this uh, pressure that is also put on young writers, young researchers, um, you know, to write every day, to have a discipline, to have this writing practice that you don't miss on a daily basis. I think young people can really stress themselves out doing that. And I really think they need to be much, much kinder to themselves in the process of writing. And at some point, you know, you've got to have faith in what you've done and submit. Mm. That's what I'd say. That's very useful advice, not only for publishing a book, but even for doing your research thesis. There's a lot of pressure on it. And it's not every day that you can focus on writing you draw inspiration from at a particular time or so it, it it's just when the mind takes to it and you want to write absolutely that's very yes. useful advice thank you so right. much for that so um personally what kind of research do you do as a publisher um well of course as a publisher i mean i'm 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 constantly trying to keep myself abreast of and then reading up as much as I can on areas that I want to publish in. Mm -hmm. For instance, about five years ago, I was getting very interested in developing a list on mental health in which we have over the last five years. So I think for one year, that's all I read, you know, and that's all the seminars I attended. That's Mm -hmm. all the interviews I did, I mean, with mental health practitioners focusing on that focusing mm-hmm. on that trying to be a fly on the wall where mm-hmm. at seminars where mental health practitioners mm-hmm. would speak uh, would discuss their issues um, uh, talking to them one on one reading as much as i could about mental health practice uh, mm-hmm. practitioners in india and their their uh, you know different ways of uh, approaching um, their practice this um, was pre covid this was pre-COVID. Interestingly, ah, mm-hmm. by the time COVID struck, mm-hmm. we already had this list very much on its way. I think we already had about four titles out. And lastly, mm-hmm. we brought out another mm-hmm. one, which, as a matter of fact, is a very important book on suicidality among yes. young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, we are going to bring out another one, which is the first book since Sudhir Kakkar, the mm-hmm. first psychodynamic look at mm. Hindu-Muslim intimacies, Hindu-Muslim mm. marriages. Mm. And so another important book yes. because it's really never been looked at mm. in, from that angle. Yeah. Very important so, topic. Yeah. Yeah. So when mm. COVID happened, mm. I really felt, my gosh, because mm. the first time even in my country, mm. mental health, uh, the mental health practice has got such a push because mm. of COVID. COVID. Mm. Uh, and our books were there. Mm. And, you know, they were, they were there. Uh, people could reach out and read mm. these books and not have to order books from the UK or USA. You know, they had local practitioners who had mm. written about... So they laid the foundation. Yes, mm. very much. Mm. Yeah. yeah, That's very useful. Um, very insightful as well um, to focus on um, suicides and what was happening pre-COVID. Um, and now it, it, it is so important, these mental issues Absolutely. that arose during the COVID period. Yeah. So what is the most difficult part of your artistic uh, process? How do you, we talked about it, you know, as a student, I found it really hard to focus every day on writing. But how do you prime yourself each day to 
tr teach writing to students at Ashoka University. Um, what helps me the most is my reading. So I read every chance I get in the day. You know, there's always books on my phone, my Kindle app, my Google Play app, uh, Playbooks app, and printed books in my bag all the time. Um, or I have my New Yorker articles, which are there saved up for any time I'm on the bus or the metro or, you know, taking an Uber or whatever. I read whenever I have a moment. And I think reading is so much to do with thinking through and getting inspirational, uh, inspirational ideas. Mm -hmm. And I, I often go to my classroom and start my discussion based on some idea that has struck me as I was reading on the metro, mm -hmm. getting to the university in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing I do too when I'm, uh, because I also edit a lot on a daily basis, sometimes I feel exhausted to start editing uh, you know, on some days um, because editing can be very, very painstaking mm -hmm. uh, activity. So on those days I do some free writing. Mm -hmm which is just, I just pull out my journal and write, sort of just pour out what's in my head and try to create some structure around what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And I find I'm able to then get into my editing much more easily. Mm -hmm. Or even if I'm writing for some journal or for some platform. So you've taken out some time just to de-escalate yeah, the pressure exactly. of editing and exactly. teaching and writing. Yeah, yeah. That's very useful. Um, we don't have many South Asian books in Australia, and that's always been one of my uh, concerns. Ordering them over Amazon takes quite some time. Mm. Sometimes mm. I order them directly from India because, mm. you know, it's easier. Mm. Um, but all of these are challenges yeah. on South Asian, getting yes. access to South Asian writers. Mm. What advice do you have for South Asian writers in Australia? Um, well, you know, I mean, I... I, I I have been spending the last few days walking around Melbourne University and I was saying this earlier that every second student who walked past me was South Asian. So obviously this is a fairly unique moment in Australia, you know, where if I'm not getting my numbers wrong, um, I think they're saying 700,000 people of Indian origin in Australia. Yes, that's right. Um, I think the numbers will go up when we get the new census data. Possibly, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And and they're saying that the biggest, for instance, I mean, I know my numbers from Melbourne University, mm -hmm. the biggest cohort from outside Australia is from India now, not China Indeed anymore. Indeed it is, yes. Um, so it's a moment where perhaps... South Asian writers in Australia need not feel as isolated as they might have done before. I think many, many more collaborations are possible now. And what I tell them is seek out spaces like this, seek out spaces like the Australia India Institute, you know, and, and, and to really plug in to see where they can find the opportunity to, to sort of uh, talk about their work and, and also to find out, to keep to to be on that, you know, to be alert to these sort of developments such as our new South Asia imprint at the Melbourne University uh, Publishing Program because we'll be looking for South Asian authors, um, you know, um, in, in, in scholarly but narrative non-fiction genres. Mm -hmm. So um, 
there are going to be to my mind many many more opportunities now for south asian scholars i see the difference already between say when i was here last in sydney in 2019 2018 mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. i think there's much more happening around south asia mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. in these 3 years yes. 4 years so much has changed and it's just about being clued in mm-hmm. and using those opportunities well yeah. and they should do it the australia india institute has always been a platform where right. we began you know when books were published um, uh, people would the editors would come here and discuss their books sure um but with you now as the um south asian series at melbourne university yeah. press this is really broadening the yeah. platform and another avenue for us all to pursue yes. so thank you for that yeah um as the editor of the south asian series at melbourne university press um can you share some insights into your um Uh, forthcoming books from this series yeah i'm very excited about the first book we've signed up it's by this fabulous fabulous kickass uh woman uh, called namita vaikar who runs um and manages a very important archive and platform in india called pari which is the people's archive mm-hmm. of rural india oh okay mm-hmm. and she is uh writing a fantastic account of the recently concluded farmers movement oh, in india jay jay um yeah um jay jay jawan jay kisan yes yeah. mm. so we are really excited to have mm. this book and you I'd know love to read it yeah yes. and 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 mm. uh, that the manuscript comes to me in august and uh, we hope to have it out by the end of the year and that will be the first book um and the second book um is uh, more focused on the environment and climate crisis mm-hmm. but it comes from a more legal point of view okay. again a mm-hmm. really brilliant uh, environmental lawyer and practitioner and scholar called arpita kodiveri mm-hmm. who is now based with a, a, a working with a very interesting very edgy environmental think tank in new york mm-hmm. but she is writing about her years of environmental lawyering in india mm-hmm. uh, where she uh, found you know um, strategies uh, for environmental lawyering via sustainable practices of the adivasi people the oh, indigenous okay. people yes. in different parts of india so interesting yeah. because the indigenous yeah. people here are doing the same right. the government exactly. approaching them for exactly. advice yes yeah. what so a, the what idea is that people. you look yes. back yeah. at mm. you have to draw on these indigenous mm. practices to yes. deal with this climate crisis moment yeah because they've dealt with yeah. it in the past yeah. yes. so these are the first yeah. two books they're both mm. very much to do with the environment yeah. and the earth and i think that is sort of setting the tone for what we want to do more and more with this sadeja series which is trying to really look at things that are current but at the same time not losing a sense of our history you know yes. and how the two yeah. meet mm. and how the two intersect yeah. Well, so. we've had um, South Asian Indian um, uh, scholars here in, right. um, taking on the government to say, you know, we want climate change sure. in the next, you know, government that's coming yeah. in because yeah. it's our future. So that's a very yeah. timely. Yeah, absolutely. Book. I yes. mean, right now it's yes. a moment of celebration absolutely. for you all in Australia, yes. of course. Yes. I mean, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, what are um, some of the themes and topics that you're excited to publish in this series you've talked about uh, being the alternative yeah. voice 
And you've also talked about climate change and, you know, digging up on our past. Yeah. Um, what, what else can you... Uh, what mm. else are you interested or excited about in the publishing? I think social justice and gender is always going to be part of whatever list mm-hmm. I work on, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what drives me. Mm-hmm. Social justice, gender justice mm-hmm. is what drives me. And I think there has to be much, 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 much more published and written, mm-hmm. uh, no matter how much we get, we need mm-hmm. more. And uh, so that will definitely remain a part of this list. Mm-hmm. I think obviously environmental issues, uh, climate crisis mm-hmm. uh, strategies, mm-hmm. all of these things, you know, are going to also connect up with social justice yes, and with course. gender. Yes. So mm-hmm. to be able to do books mm-hmm. where these intersections become clearer mm-hmm. um, is of uh, great importance mm-hmm. to me. I'm also very interested to um, think of one subcategory for this list which looks at how technology is impacting South Asia. The different aspects, yeah. yeah. Different mm. aspects of mm. um, technology mm. impact mm. on everyday life mm. and on you know social ju- again social justice gender, mm. right? Um, so that is something that I'm I'm in that stage of doing my research mm. to to try and see how I can develop that mm-hmm. subcategory of the list. Mm-hmm. The other thing that is, as I keep talking about the geopolitics, you know, this, this Australasia, this belt mm-hmm. uh, between South Asia and Australia, and what is possible in terms of looking at common issues and common strategies in this area, mm-hmm. um, I think that will also be a very important part of this list. So in many ways, you're breaking a lot of boundaries and oh, stepping sure. into the gaps where a lot more work needs to be done. Yes, always um, what I hope to do and I hope to continue doing, yes. Um, yeah. There's quite a lot you do just as a publisher, as a writer, as a researcher and as a teacher. Yeah. Um, how you marry all of these into your day-to-day life is, you know, beats me. Um, but somehow you manage to do it. Thank you. Um, it's been a pleasure talking Thanks to you, so Arpita, and we wish you all the very, very best. And we look forward to, you know, getting a list of some of the books that you're publishing. Yes, Hopefully absolutely. we will be able to purchase them in bookshops. Yes, out here, I hope yes. so too. And please keep us in mind and let us know what's coming out. Sure. Thank we'll you do. so Thank much you for Thank you so much time. for having me. Thanks. Our pleasure. Thank you.